Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Thursday the 19th of October 2017 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 181. I hope you're all well, keeping on doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going, inching towards episode 200, uh, the target I set myself for the show at the uh, start of the year, ideally I'd have hoped to have reached it sooner, but you know, life got in the way. I am a reluctant podcaster, simply trying to find my way back to radio. It's been a a good week. Um, I'm just back from getting a a flu jab, a little chat there with the uh, nurse about uh, hand washing, done some prep on the arm uh, before getting the jab. You know, any stray hairs, you remove them before a jab, at least I do. Unfortunately for me, uh, she went all the way up to the top of the arm for the jab, which I think was all clear hair-wise, but uh, I couldn't be sure, so that was a little disappointing. I'm recording at a uh, very busy time of the day, so you might hear traffic in the background. Nothing I can do about that. We... Uh, we got chatting the nurse and I. She's very personable, very easy to uh, talk to. I think she's from Angola or Mozambique, one of the uh, Portuguese colonies. And um, I, we somehow got chatting about the time of year and how many germs are flying around. And uh, I mentioned that I'm trying to wash my hands less. But while I'm scaling back the hand washing, I'm trying to be more thorough with the hand washing And as she mentioned that she's got a couple of kids, the youngest one's two, the oldest one's nine, and that the two-year-old is a lot healthier, in her opinion, because she's been less anal with a kid in terms of, you know, when she sees him on the floor playing or when he drops a biscuit on the floor and then puts it on his mouth. She's just letting stuff like that go, which she didn't really uh, do with the oldest kid. She says the oldest kid is uh, regularly ill, the youngest one is uh, quite tough. So she does think that uh, people are a bit too clean these days, she was saying. And uh, she agreed with me that uh, while it was very important to wash your hands thoroughly, that you had to be mindful not to overdo the uh, hand washing. Meantime, at the um, at the doctor's, just when I was uh, arriving, there was a, a guy younger than me isn't younger than you these days David who uh, was with his girlfriend trying to sort out an uh, an appointment and I could see that he had a Movember coming through on his top lip he had stubble he had a he had uh, a beard a very uh, you know a few days growth on his face but you could see that the tash had more depth to it than the beard and that it was deliberate and uh, I think that's something that's changed about Movember this year And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but uh, I'm seeing a lot of guys now who are participating in Movember. They start doing the uh, growing in mid to late October. So the uh, Movember is there from the start of November. Whereas, you know, a year or two ago, the guys would start growing their tashes during November and maybe losing a, a few days, a few days of that particular month. I think that's something that, uh, is changing about November. I've said in the past, I think I've said on this run of shows that, uh, you know, I'm not personally a fan of November because I think it reduces the moustache to a gimmick. But, you know, like the uh, Macmillan Cancer Bake Off thing, you can't fault a good cause. People are at least making an effort to uh, do something and, you know, raise awareness 
of uh, these awful uh, diseases. It's been a productive week. Uh, today, a little tense because uh, I I was on eight coffees going into the cafe uh, today. And, you know, once you have ten, you get the tenth one free. So uh, I realised uh, yesterday that the way the week was shaping up, I would be able to have a couple of coffees today, claim one free, and I'd also have Portuguese toast today because, you know, I've not been able to enjoy the week in terms of, uh, you know, relaxing and kicking back with uh, proper quality coffee in the way that I'd have liked to. The emphasis on this week on being away from the man was to uh, write uh, unfortunately, it's not not been a week where I was ever going to be able to relax, and I do hate that moment. I, I hate the build up to claiming that free coffee because I think it's a it's a display of frugality on your part. This is a business, albeit uh, one that has raised its coffee prices by thirty p in one fell swoop, which I wasn't happy about. I think that's that's not a good thing. Bearing in mind how that community is struggling anyway. But at the same time, you know, the council's put up their rates from three to 7,000 of the Alfresco area in the last year. They have to claim that money back from somewhere. And so you think, well, this is an independent business. It's been there for me for 17 years. I really would be lost without it. If everyone's claiming a free coffee every week, that's going to hit the place. That's going to hit any business. So I don't like doing it, but I do it, of course. And uh, I find that moment very awkward and I start worrying about whether they start thinking this guy, he knows what he's doing. He's been building up to this. He knew he was going to come in here today and order Portuguese toast, which he hasn't been ordering this week. And he was going to order two coffees and then just pay for one coffee and the toast. I don't like being seen like that. And then there's the stress of making sure that when I claim that free coffee and they've stamped that reward card that I get the new reward card and that they stamp the first coffee on that because normally they leave the last uh, coffee icon on the old reward card blank to indicate you've got that one for free there's no consistency with the staff in terms of how they do it so that stresses me out and uh, I was live tweeting the incident on uh, Wednesday afternoon and uh, I did say that uh, I think I found the moment of claiming that free coffee as stressful as being on stage during my stand-up days, which was not an experience that I enjoyed. And, uh, you know, I got the free coffee. I didn't get the new card. I had to ask uh, Phil Collins, the waitress, for the new card. Said Kay, who carried out the transaction. I don't know why he didn't give me the uh, reward card. It was lunchtime. He was busy. But uh, maybe he wasn't that impressed that I then asked his colleague for the card. It's just... It's not a moment I like. I find that moment uh, difficult. By the way, the gallery, the new art gallery next door that I mentioned, I think in episode 179, which I was not too happy about opening next door to the cafe. But to be fair, I was never going to be happy about whatever opens there because things will never go back to being anywhere near what they were like in SW8. It's uh, We're not going to have businesses again that serve the still dominant local community that predates the arrival of the gentrifiers, the newcomers, the, the people who are coming here in the wake of that new American embassy being built. So what was my point? My point here, that's right. When the gallery was being built, when nobody knew what that was going to be, when the rumours were it was going to be a uh, a new Saints Go Locals or a, were still a Costa Star Nero, 
there was a builder working there in the mornings and I'm probably talking about late August, September time here and uh, he was a real extrovert and used to start coming into the cafe in the mornings. I'd arrive there about 7.30, sit in the alfresco area and I don't think they were too keen on having the lock-ins at that time of uh, the year because it was summer, it wasn't cold. So I think they took the attitude, well, it's uh, an 0800 hours opening time that's when we open. You can sit out there. It's not cold. That's uh, changed slightly now. But this guy, this extrovert would be out there. He'd be talking to the window cleaner. He was a real, you know, uh, cockney spiv who I've spoken to a number of times myself. The extrovert, multilingual, spoke at least four different languages. I think he was always showboating in the cafe. And uh, in some respects, I'm glad that the gallery is open because... Well, it means he's not there anymore. He's done his job. Phil Collins initially wasn't impressed with his presence in the cafe. I think the fishers, the chinfisher couple who sit over to the left of my toilet table, I think they gradually warmed to him. They saw him as a welcome antidote to uh, my uh, introverted nature. Personally, I'm glad to see him go. I actually uh, ran into Seeds of Love, the buy-to-let landlord with the... Uh, Seeds of Love, Roland Orzabal, uh, Curtin's hairstyle of the late 80s, uh, a man who found his hairstyle, uh, perhaps not so young in life, but he found it and he stuck to it and he's got that kind of permed hair, which was uh, very much Orzabal's hair before he had it straightened. And it's a it's a kind of hair that is suited to the Curtin's look. I ran into him uh, a few weeks ago, one morning in the cafe. He was telling me that he had jaw problems. I told him about my mouth guard and uh, we got talking about uh, retainers. And, uh, you know, he's a buy-to-let landlord. He knows a fair bit about property. He's got a few properties in the area. He was laying into the new bills that have sprung up over the last few years, damning them as vulgar, absurd and not serving the uh, community. As I said, it's been a good week writing-wise. I've been very pleased, satisfied with the way this week off from the man has helped me progress on the writing front. I'm at the stage where I now have to make serious cuts in this script. And, you know, I mean, in my life, I'm cutting all the time, cutting back on anything that I like, you know, just to survive. But uh, I'm talking about the script here, you know. Uh, when you're creating something, when you're working on something... Uh, in my case, a script, you create scenes that work, that you come to love. But there comes a time when you're trying to finish that script where you know that those scenes might need to be sacrificed. And I'm trying to trim a lot of the fat away from this piece of work now. And uh, my experience just tells me that you have to be ruthless or your producer, when they come on board, will do it for you. And that's what I've been doing this week. And... I'm not precious about it. In some cases, I think these scenes I'll be able to use in other episodes. But, uh, you know, they're scenes that work. They're not scenes that have gone because they don't work. They very much work. So that's where you have to be ruthless. You've got to bring the script in on time. And I was kind of hoping that, you know, we're now in a time where you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Netflix and uh, running times on there for comedies aren't strict. They don't adhere to the old, uh, you know, 24 minutes if you're on a commercial channel or 28, 29 minutes if it's a BBC show. 
that doesn't seem to apply here yet. We're still very much wedded to those strict running times, whereas in the States, I think uh, they're, a, they're a bit more flexible on that. Tuesday was massively important to me on the editing front, and uh, that was a very successful day. I basically I printed out the latest draft on Monday evening with difficulty. That's another thing. I don't actually have a working printer and uh, Tuesday, I just spent working from a paper copy. I don't like editing on screen. I always work with a paper copy. So I have so many versions of this script from the start of the year. In fact, I started it in November last year. And, you know, it's been slowed down, basically, not only by the man, but by this show. I do pay a price for doing this show, which is why I had to take it off air for the last six months. And I'm now back on the uh, laptop I still have to make more cuts, but uh, definitely made massive progress this week. To have these full days, aside from having to record these shows, you know, which is entirely my fault for bringing the show back when I have to uh, meet this uh, target of hitting 200 shows that I'd set myself, etc. And uh, which, you know, evidently now was not the time to do it, but uh, I just want to get them out of the way. The Thursday shows actually will be especially difficult to record between now and Christmas with my current schedule. But, uh, you know, that's something I'm going to have to deal with because I've made that commitment. But uh, this week has been critical. This week has been enormously important to me. And uh, it's also served to remind me of what I've lost. Because, um, you know, I've got up in the morning still early, but I know that I've got the whole day ahead of me. I know that... I can ease myself into the work. I know that any thoughts in regards to the script are not going to be truncated. You know, it's not 08.30 hours or 08.45 hours and I've suddenly got to leave the cafe for the man. None of that is happening this week. There's no writing through a half-hour lunch. I've been doing eight, nine hours a day, which I've always been capable of. You know, I've, I've been capable of doing 12, 14-hour days. I'm an absolute animal when it comes to writing. It's gotten harder as I've gotten older, admittedly, and so I'm reluctant to work through the evenings these days after a day with a man because I just, I know that that is not healthy. And at this age now, you have to be very careful. If it hadn't been for the man, the pilot would have been finished months ago. And uh, this week has shown me what I've lost, but at least it's been a productive week and uh, there's still a... A uh, couple of days to go at the time of recording this. Many of the problems that I've encountered with a script have simply been, aside from not having a working laptop for much of that time, they've been down to that duality of being a writer and ticking every cliche in the uh, book by having to give up the bulk of my day to um, to the man. So uh, being able to ease myself into the writing. Again, from Monday, I go back to the cafe, I sit outside in the cold, I scrape the plastic chair in the alfresco area across the ground so uh, Phil Collins hears me out there and takes a look through the window and lets me in to their morning lock-up sessions with the uh, Chinfisher couple before opening time. And right away I have to start writing again half asleep. It's hard to think that something could go on to be successful when putting it together has been so laborious. That really does bother me. That That is something that uh, doesn't leave my mind, I have to say. 
So uh, it's not getting finished this week, but I am closer. I think I probably need another three full weeks, 120 hours to get this script to where it needs to be. But uh, it's got to be finished before the end of this year. It has to, otherwise 2017 has been a complete failure for me. And also because I have to show this actor, this guy, one of the few brilliant actors to pass through one of our biggest shows in this country that's been one of the biggest shows we've had ever that's been on our screens for over three decades now that is rubbish and has had only a handful of brilliant actors pass through it and this guy was one of them and I actually identified him as someone I'd want to work with about 17, 18 years ago when I was first getting into television and he was the lead actor on my last uh, pilot that was picked up by a broadcaster And I remember the uh, producer recognised that he was gifted, that he was unheralded, that he deserved to be doing better work than he was doing, but uh, worried that uh, his reputation was one of uh, often switching off if uh, he wasn't being stimulated by the work. And uh, he was brilliant at the auditions, he was brilliant at the read-through, and um, had the show been picked up after that. I think it would have been the best role he's ever done. None of the subsequent work he's done, I believe, has been as good as the part that I wrote for him. And uh, the funny story in relation to that is about three, four years after that, after the pilot sadly slipped uh, through my grasp, I was uh, living in this place and uh, unbeknown to me, uh, they were throwing a party Uh, the uh, place where I was living and I'd gone out to do my Saturday evening shop and I came back with a uh, full week shopping for under £8.65 and uh, I stepped back into the house and I became aware instantly that there was some sort of gathering going on and that there was uh, more than alcohol being consumed on the premises and I walked into the kitchen which was packed with uh, party goers already smashed and it was only about seven or eight in the evening and by then I'd committed to walking in there was no turning back you know I looked like a bag lady they'd seen me I couldn't just turn back and of course you know uh you know what it's like private renting you're uh, allocated a tiny fridge space so I was trying to squeeze all these goods into my tiny allocated shelf space and uh, who was there my old lead actor helping himself to a beer from the fridge. I think he cited my basics range goods. It was a a very humiliating moment and uh, one I've never forgotten. And although I don't think there is a part for him in this particular script, I'm determined if this gets picked up to uh, get him along for an audition. I think I'll have my bag there. I'll have a Waitrose bag peeking out the uh, top of my unzipped bag, even though I haven't shopped in Waitrose since my mid-noughties heyday. Because I think it's important for me to have him see that I'm on the way back. I'll never forget that moment that he saw what I was pushing, squeezing into that shelf space. It was as if we were both looking at each other, trying to work out how I could have written such a quality script and yet be where I was at that moment with those basic range goods. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available the other side of the midlife crisis. Ways to support the show as always. You can do all your Amazon shopping by clicking on the Amazon referral link at DanielRuizTyson.com. 
the way it works, Amazon recognises you've gone to them via the referral link on my site and kicks back a small percentage of whatever you've purchased back to my work at no extra cost to you. With Christmas coming up, this is probably the best opportunity of the year for the website to again start paying for itself. Further ways to support the show, you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That really helps. And uh, maybe you might even consider making a secure donation to the podcast via the PayPal button by each of these available podcasts as they appear on DanielRuizTyson.com. I know uh, that for many, myself included, as I said uh, the other day, these aren't easy times. If you can afford it, do please consider it. A curious dream that I had at the weekend. Very strange dream. And uh, I was turning up at this cafe. It wasn't my cafe. It might have been somewhere I've seen before, but it wasn't somewhere that I easily recognised. It may have been, a, as the kids would say, a mashup of various cafes from over the years, but it certainly wasn't my place. But I got the sense that I was familiar with this place, and like anything, I had my own table in this cafe, and uh, which is a habit that I've had since I was a kid. I'm really struggling already to bring this show in on time. I can look at the running time now. It's about 21 minutes, so uh, I am waffling on today. This thing about gravitating towards spaces and tables, I remember being seven years old at St. Mary's Primary School, music lessons with Mr. Davidson, and I found a seat. It wasn't at the back, but it was by a bookshelf, and I always had a thing about books, and I always sat there, and all the other kids just let me sit there, and it, this, for some reason this used to really annoy my teacher I think because I used to fall asleep in there and I think ever since then I've always tried to nail down a space for myself this dream cafe was no different and I turned up in there only to find that there was a peanut sitting at my table in the cafe and I don't know what it was that threw me about this peanut I was looking at the peanut the peanut was looking at me we were just looking at each other for a few moments this peanut sitting at a table in this dream cafe. And I was really unsettled by this peanut and I left the cafe. Only I kept circling the cafe in the same anti-clockwise direction. And I would stare through the window and the peanut was still in the cafe. Sat at my table, looking out, not seeing me, but looking out. And I was thinking, is this peanut waiting for somebody? Who is this peanut waiting for? And uh, I remember that this peanut was reading a broadsheet. There was a broadsheet in front of the peanut. And I kept circling the cafe in that same anti-clockwise direction. I kept coming back. The peanut was still there. The paper was still there. And eventually I thought, I've got to go back in there. It's cold. I want a coffee. That's my table. I'm claiming back my table. I actually... Went to the loos in this place, which were in the basement, so I know for sure that it wasn't my cafe because the loos in my cafe are, of course, behind the uh, swing saloon doors. I went into the loos. I remember being sick in a cubicle. Unlike television, I wasn't dramatically kneeling over the bowl, my hands on a public toilet bowl, none of that. You know, I'd rolled my sleeves up of my uh, two spring jackets. Nothing was touching the bowl these days of course I have very short hair and I wasn't even kneeling 
I think. I wasn't kneeling on the floor. I was actually squatting over the bowl. I was sick. Left the cubicle after flushing, washed my face. And then I just thought, I I don't feel well. I'm going to sit down at my table. Went upstairs. The peanut was still at my table. We looked at each other again. This long, hard stare. I looked down at the newspaper. The headline simply said, sent to Coventry. And I just waited. I stood there at the table. The peanut got up, took the paper, moved right past me. It was a strange thing. Sense of uh, sense of loss for some reason. And uh, I just sat down where they'd been sitting, looking out into this street that I didn't recognise. Ordered myself a latte. And uh, I was very unsettled by this dream. One of those dreams that you don't forget too easily. So the week has been uh, brilliant writing-wise, frustrating in that, again, from Monday I lose, you know, 40 hours of writing a week again. So uh, it's massively important this week. And, uh, you know, I'm pleased that I was so focused that I've done well. Uh, the boiler at the flat, that's a, that's a problem. I'm really biting into the pillow on that front. That's, uh, that's about £1,800 to replace. You know, that's something that's going to have to be uh, tackled. What can you do? Needs to be done. It's going to make for a, uh, a difficult winter. Brighton news this week. At South London Hardcore, one of the great independent podcasts, of the last decade, uh, made a one-off return uh, to uh, say goodbye to uh, Steve Walsh, co-presenter of the show, who is moving uh, to Ireland. Uh, Steve Walsh, who's done so much for independent podcasting over the last few years. Uh, His co-partner, Jack McEnroy, a a big loss to podcasting in that it's largely Jack, who, I suppose, like me, has just been frustrated with podcasting and has turned his back on it. Since it went mainstream, you know, I think he's seen how difficult it is for independent podcast makers to get their work out there, to get the reviews that you need in order for your work to reach the audience it needs to reach. And they did their first show in two and a half years. It was a local South London News special. And, you know, one of the things I liked about these guys and will always love, is that there was a a love for South London which my work doesn't share. And that was clear from the beginning with these guys. They really do champion South London. Uh, They've made some very uh, courageous guest choices over the years. And uh, it was difficult to lose them in 2015. Them returning this week just reminded you of what I think podcasting has lost. The final episode ends particularly poignantly. And I'm not going to spoil it. I did a little write-up at danielruistizen.com forward slash latest news. I would say to you as an audience, and I'm sure that uh, some of you are really brave with your choices. Brave is the wrong word. Adventurous with your choices. Steve Bishop, one of our listeners, a podcaster himself, a man who almost single-handedly kept this show going last year with his uh, creative contributions to the show he did a brilliant Twitter thread on Saturday, which I retweeted to death and posted again on the website. He was talking about how podcasting professionals have strangled audiences for shows such as this, I guess. And 
how many more independent podcasters are we going to lose in addition to Jack McEnroy, who is someone that should have been very, very big in UK podcasting? It is enormously frustrating, but, uh, you know, do listen to episode 162 of South London Hardcore, a fitting finale uh, to that show. And I think that's it. I am out of time. That is today's show. Uh, We'll be back in the cafe on Monday. I just don't have time uh, to give you the rest of the stuff that I had uh, lined up uh, for this week's show. That's the problem when you're just working with a few bullet points. It certainly is for me. I just end up talking too much. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend and do what you do well. You can only do your best. Shoulders back, people. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm back on Monday. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. And this week, I have been available. 